Voice of my peoples one time. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What up? You are rocking with Across the Intersection podcast. This is the premiere episode. Yes. <laughs> it's called a launch. Yes, sir. I'm in here with Eve and my man Dan. What up? Putting pins down. So, uh, again, this is the podcast where we're going to talk culture, life, religion, politics, all of the above, and uh, try to give it from a mature perspective. At least that's our attempt. That's our goal. (laughs) That's our goal. You might listen and think otherwise, but know that we had the intentions of trying to be mature and act like grownups in here. Um, Y'all want to introduce yourselves or you want to go? Hey, what up? This is Eve. And uh, what do I bring to the table? I don't know. Crazy, New York, whatever. <laughs> These New Yorkers has been in Maryland and DC for the my last whole adult life. Right. <laughs> but you know, New Yorkers will claim they sure New do. York until they're ninety nine and a half. New Yorkers do that, <laughs> even when we lose our accent. And you know, it's not just New Yorkers; it's like anybody from up north, like cause <laughs> I, like Philly, Boston. They do the same thing. Yep. I got a friend from Boston who's been down here for at least twenty years. I'm like, dude, you you are a Marylander, anyway. Damn. Yeah, what's up? My name's Daniel. I'm pretty much uh, Maryland, born and bred, or born in Virginia, but raised in Maryland. And uh, as far as what I bring to the table, uh, I don't know. We'll just wait and see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, I didn't introduce myself. This is AJ. Um, So you'll you'll hear what I say. Most of the things that probably piss you off will be the things that I say. (laughs) I don't know. Can I say piss you off? You know, we're supposed to be good Christian people. Like, I, don't, I don't know. But if, if I just offended you, then welcome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> welcome. Um, so we're going to just chit-chat about modern day stuff, current events, and um, we'll see what pops off. Hope you enjoy, and I hope you stay locked in. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, Trump. <laughs> just go ahead and throw it out there. Trumpity, Trump, That's like Trump, one of them... Uh, you ever like been in a conversation and then somebody says that thing and you're like, oh, he just go ahead. Why did he just go ahead and say that? Yeah, not again, not again. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but this drink just lends itself to so much discussion points. Um, and we were just talking about this in pre-production. This will not be a political show, so you don't have to worry if you're like, oh God, they just talk about politics. No, 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 that's not our goal. But I think that um, culturally, it just brushes across the church and Christianity and religion in so many different areas, it's almost like unavoidable. Like in, in, in 2017, it's unavoidable to have a conversation about religion or anything relating to stuff like that in America and not even mention the dude's name. So I just figured I just, let's just go ahead and cut that wound open. Jump right in. And just jump right in. Um, what I wanted to just, you know, dissect a little bit was, you know, we just came through graduation season. Yep. Um, and there were some funny ones, like your girl at uh, what was this, uh, DeVos, when she went down to uh, oh, Bethune Bethune Cookman College or Bethune Cookman yeah. University, yeah, which of course was founded by Mary McLeod Bethune, a famed educator, who was probably uh, doing cartwheels in her grave. I know, right? In the in the words of Charles Barkley, she was probably rolling over in her grave. Um, I just the, I'm not going there, but just I thought it was funny. I don't know if you saw the video clip when the president of the university came out and he's like, "Choose which way you want to go. Make sure." And so he was like, "If y'all keep this noise up, 
we're going to mail you your diplomas. And then they got louder. I thought that was hilarious. Wow. It was kind of like a murmur, but then when he said that, it just got really loud. I thought that was funny. So anyway, yeah. we just came through graduation season, and a lot of big-name politicians typically go to speak at commencements. You know, I know Mike Pence was just in Notre Dame, and he had that walkout issue, so it's been a lot. But I want to hone in on – um uh. 45. <laughs> yeah. 45. I want to hone in on 45's commencement at Liberty University. Um, that kind of struck me, but then it didn't because Dan was just telling me a pre-production that he's done it three times. So I just found out this was his third time. Um, but it, it struck me that the first university that would have 45 um, deliver their commencement just happened to be a I'm using air quotes people um, quote unquote Christian university um, and what kind of message that sends to not just Christendom right but to the entire culture the entire world everybody what kind of message that sends that we're the first and I say we because I'm a Christian I believe in God I know a lot of times it's cool to try to push God out the equation but whenever I speak about things I always say we because I never try to exclude myself from, you know, things that other believers are doing, you know, un- good or bad. It's like your drunk uncles or, you know, <laughs> your crazy family, you know, you you can't not be part of that family. So I, I never not try to be part of anything that other Christians are doing, whether good or bad. But Unless it's the KKK and they claim to be Christians <laughs> as well. You know, when you get to that segment, when you get to that segment of the population of supremacists and people like that of course you know there's going to be a distinction well people like that i don't consider them christians but that's <laughs> another discussion for another day um that we would be the first to kind of co-sign you know his presidency i just thought that that was something definitely open for discussion so what say you second uh yeah i'll go first um again i wasn't surprised because, you know, I found out, I knew he already did speak there before uh, during the presidential campaign, uh, but actually this was his third time I found out that he was speaking. Um, so I'm not, I'm not surprised or even bothered or perplexed that this happened this time. I was more so during the presidential campaign um, where you could see uh, just the widespread support of uh, Trump from certain white evangelicals, including the president of Liberty University, Jerry Falwell Jr. And it it really, uh, yeah, it really disappointed me to see that initially. Um, I I don't believe, um, honestly, I don't believe that it's a productive thing as believers for us to get involved in this political divide but yeah there did seem to be a a large yeah support for Trump during that time um however um granted that um again Trump did speak at Liberty University there is a divide. Um, I did see that there was a divide among people who are actually attending Liberty University about 
whether they support Trump or not. And Where did you see that? Because I know that I know I watched most of the speech and it's like I saw the camera angles uh, looking at students and all the students seem to be fine. I'm wondering yeah. if maybe I missed something. Um, uh, I've seen comments before. I'm more so uh, talking about his last speech. Yeah. Uh, and not this one. But as far as camera angles, anything can get manipulated. I don't think they're going to put on record at Liberty University <laughs> the people who aren't supporting <laughs> They're going to probably they're going to spot that person with the anti-Trump sign and um, yeah. move, <laughs> move the, the camera. camera. They got to find um, the happiest face in the crowd and just and, focus in on that one. And and there are a lot of I do I knew I do know people who have graduated from Liberty University who are very uh, disappointed and disheartened at the direction that the university has taken and pretty much uh, given blatant support to Trump. It, it goes beyond just a commencement speech because, uh, again, a lot of politicians do commencement speech, but it is a blatant support for Trump and his policies. Now, I did check into, you know, his actual speech. I, I read through it. The speech wasn't that bad. And as I was mentioned before in pre-production, it was trump light. Uh, he didn't boast a whole lot about himself, uh, so I give him credit for that. And <laughs> so speech was generally, it was okay, but it's, it's so the actual speech itself is not what bothers me. It is the support uh, that you know, we are throwing behind Trump. I just want to put something out there because we're, I think we're using some terms that probably need to be defined. For example, on the news and in, in popular culture, people say evangelical, evangelical, you know, that word is used a lot. And, you know, sometimes people define Christianity and they'll say Christian, even, you know, they'll use those two terms together, Christian evangelical. Sometimes they'll just say evangelical. What in the, I, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who have questioned what that actually means and um, especially when someone feels the need to say Christian evangelical is like that seem that should be redundant. Mm. Um, but have you all decided on what the definition is by itself, as well as with a capital E evangelical, which might speak more to our culture? Because, of course, evangelical by itself means people who believe in evangelism. Mm -hmm. But what is an evangelical? Eve is the educated one, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like definition. I don't read no words. What do you mean? I just or, beat my chest, and <laughs> or at least the perception of what it means, because otherwise people wouldn't feel the need to say Christian evangelical. They just say they would just say Christian. Yeah, I would say that there. I mean, there are two different. I mean, there's the actual definition of evangelical, and then there's the way that the culture, society interprets evangelicals. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the way that the culture and society has interpreted evangelicals, which kind of is actually uh, discredited or not doing any service to the real definition of evangelicals, are mainly those with uh, conservative viewpoints. That's good, yeah. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I think, and this is one thing that, that we want to get across, is the way that things are versus the way that they, things should be. Okay. And I think Dan touches on that right there because it's like the way it probably should be is not the way that it is and so when you because 
when people in general hear the term, quote unquote, evangelical, right? A whole lot of things flood into their mind. Right? Images flood into their mind about what they think evangelical is, what they think it means, many of which probably are not the real definition, you know? And there are a lot of words like that. Um, I'm not going to name them all, but there, one I'm coming to my mind and I think it'll take us onto another tangent. <laughs> we're not going to... We're not going to do that, but when you think of evangelical, you're right. You think about the conservative, right-wing sort of movement in this nation, or at least in America, I'll say, when you think the term evangelical, you think of that sort of cultural model. You don't think of the actual, like, you don't actually don't really even think about the nature of a believer in Christ who who's like you know thrust in life is to evangelize lost people yeah which is what an evangelical really is we, like that's not the initial thought like if you just if we just went out in the street and just started polling people hey what do you think an evangelical is that's not what's going to come up most of the time what's going to come up is like what dan was saying all oh, the conservative this that and the other where you know, that the somehow the the definition has been changed in popular culture to be something that it's not. But then the pushback is, of course it's conservative. God is conservative. The Bible is conservative. So look, yeah, look, I'm just going to play the advocate right now of someone from that perspective and say, Christian means evangelical because we're supposed to go and reach the lost, people who have not, you know, uh, accepted Christ's penalty for their sins. And when I read the Bible, I read it exactly for what it says, and it is conservative. So all of this is equivalent. But see, I would... I would counter that by saying that the Bible is both conservative and liberal. You just said the Bible is liberal? And that... You know what liberal represents? Listen, when when the Pharisees come to stone the woman who committed adultery, right? They're being very conservative. Now, here comes Jesus. Hey, well, who else has been doing X, Y, and Z? That doesn't sound conservative. That sounds like a man who's willing to embrace a woman caught in adultery, Right? That's not the kind of speech that you hear from the current modern day. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That was a sneeze. And when you record live, you hear things like coughs and sneezes. Um, That's not the, the, the kind of speech that you hear from modern day conservative Christian movement. You don't hear the let's at a minimum embrace these people. We can, we can delve into the, muck in the mire later right nah. Jesus didn't you know remember Jesus didn't deal with her issue until he first embraced her so they come with the stones ready to get their stoning on Jesus is like yo chill whoever has the first sin I mean whoever has not sinned you go ahead and cast the first stone and they all the cats drop their stones I'm quoting bible guys <laughs> all the cats drop their stones then they walk away so he embraces her then he begins to address her issue so that's where I what so that's what I mean by on there are many things in which I believe God is 100% conservative but there are also many things that God is very liberal and in order for me to look at things like that I have to separate myself from modern day popular thought in order to begin to step back and look at these things from that perspective but if I get tunnel vision right with my political party or my cultural ideology or whatever I'm not going to see any of that. I'm going to believe God is this or he's that. Mm-hmm. When in, in actuality, he's bigger than both of those. He's neither. You know, like when 
when he says, you know, and I'm, I don't want to get preached, so I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> he's, I think he's both, and he's neither. So okay, anyway. so he he embraces an adulteress, you know. Um, of course, they didn't bring the man. Of course, when you look back at the law of the laws of God, oh, yeah. it says yeah. both of them, both the man and the woman, and so many other issues with the people who brought the woman. And then he ministers to her, and then he sends her off, saying, "Go and sin no more." So he still, you know, brings her back to the sixth, seventh, whichever commandment adultery is, and says, "Okay, now I need for you to go back in obedience." But the question is, okay, so Jesus embraced an adulterer, but are we supposed to embrace, you know, gay people? You know, you know, so I know that this will lead to another thing and I'm not trying to change the, the question, but I can, but from the perspective of somebody who's evangelical and who's conservative, they think that's, you know, one and the same. Yeah. So I and think it's we, true to scripture. I think, I think so that's, that would be my answer to the question. How do you define evangelical? I think my answer would be first, in order to properly define it, you must separate it from modern day popular thought of what it is. Separate it first before you, because if you try to define it while it still has that stigma attached to it, I think you'll have an improper definition. So I think if you separate the two first, you know, there's a modern day conservative movement that is something completely and entirely different than what a true evangelical believer should be. Mm. Yeah, and if I can just ruffle some feathers with this, (laughs) but comment... A lot of the people who are being polled as quote-unquote evangelicals aren't Christian, aren't saved. Oh, yeah. Just, They're not believers I'm at all. How, can you be... say, how do you know the condition of someone's soul? What kind of fruit? Do, you're doing a fruit inspection. What, do you, what kind of fruit do you see that is inconsistent with a, a person who is saved? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Oh, man, let's do this. Huh? Actually naming the scripture. <laughs> We just lost 50 viewers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Which basically says. Uh, talks about the fruit of the spirit um, being. And forgive me, I uh, won't. Mem- I don't have it memorized exactly, but. Uh, oh, well, you're not real. We know love, those. Fr- we know that love, nine fruit. Love, uh, joy, peace. All right. So um, you're saying that I can't put a burning cross on your lawn and then say. I'm an evangelical. Are you telling me that I can't? Yeah, well, oh, shoot. <laughs> I got to take that wood back to Home Depot. Hey, Kindness, yeah. goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Yeah, mm-hmm. Amen. So if those those qualities aren't present, then yeah, I would question uh, whether you truly know Christ or not. It's not knowing knowing the Lord being a true evangelical, as uh, AJ, I believe, gave a good definition, goes beyond... Uh, whether you hold certain to a certain moral standards, you can hold to them mentally. You can adhere to them in your mind. But what about practice? Even uh, the example that was given about uh, Jesus and the adulterer and the Pharisees bringing the adulterer, they were even hypocritical in their um, application of the law. Like Eve uh, mentioned, they did not bring out the man. Mm-hmm. So we... We are, uh, we we apply the law when it benefits us, <laughs> yep. but we don't. If if the law is going to find us guilty, then we're not going to apply it to ourselves. You know, that's. I think that the and I actually wrote an article about this on divinimus.com. dot <laughs> com. Check out the article. Plug, it's plug. Really, yeah, that's a shameless plug. That's not a sponsor. That's just a shameless plug, folks. <laughs> we do that in the business. Um, 
about our our cultural ideology. Now, I really did some digging on on <clears throat> excuse me on cultural ideology and how in our minds many times it can be just as strong as any religious thought we might have. And a lot of things that we claim are quote unquote biblical or religious in nature actually are not. It's a cultural ideology that in our mind is so strong that yep. we literally put it on the same level as something that, that we might, that something that may be religious in nature. Now, I'll give you a prime example. I read a book by a Native American brother. Um, it's called One Nation, Many Tribes. The mm-hmm. brother's name was Richard Twist. He's an indigenous uh, believer. And so he writes, writes a book. Um, and in one of the chapters, he talks about Christian missionaries. And he says how, um, on his reservation and many others like him, missionaries would come and, you know, come and talk Jesus and bring Bibles and things of that nature. And he said the indigenous people were actually receptive to it, right? Oh, okay, God. Because they could sort of, they understand the concept of God because yeah. they believe in a creator. So they could, they understand the concept that even when you introduce Jesus, they're receptive. The confrontation comes when then those missionaries say, now you got to take those feathers off and you you can't wear, you know, your mm-hmm. native cultural clothing. You got to mm-hmm. put on this shirt and tie and put on this this pilgrim hat and this and, and cut and, your hair and all this right, stuff. Right, cut your hair and this that and the third. That's where the real confrontation comes in because now you're not just giving me understanding of God, you're trying to strip me culturally. You're trying mm-hmm. to completely strip me of my culture, everything that I know culturally. And then you have confrontation and then you have <clears throat> the believer, oh, well, you're just a heathen. You're going to go to hell anyway. And in actuality, it had nothing to do with that. What it was, was I was trying to overlay my cultural ideology on top of the stuff that I was telling you. And so we have a bad habit of doing that. We have a bad habit of, of bringing in religious stuff. And then on top of that, overlaying a cultural ideology that may be different <clears throat> from the person. Yeah, <clears throat> you're making an important distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have to we 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 have to get out of the habit of doing that. And I think that is where the majority of this confrontation is coming in. It's when people are trying to superimpose one cultural ideology onto another people group that they don't, you know, they don't ascribe to. They they don't ascribe to that. And so we, you know, we again I'm 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 using that the inclusive term we we have to understand that my cultural ideology is not two things, is not on the same level so to speak as biblical truth. Yep. And it's also my cultural ideology, everybody I meet is not going to ascribe to that. And I need to be okay with that. Like I need to be okay with the fact that these guys culturally don't ascribe to what I ascribe to. And I, you know, I need to be okay with that. So they need to receive me and I need to receive them. This is really, what you're talking about is really important. Going back to David Livingston in Africa, all of these people over centuries, have fallen for this trick that you're talking about right now, where they will line up scripture and make it equivalent to culture, not realizing that culture for the most part is morally neutral. 
Now, of course, if there's a part of your culture that says, kill people who look at you cross-eyed, obviously we're not talking about that. But for the most part, whether the person is an indigenous person to America or an indigenous person to Australia, culture tends to be morally neutral. So what, what unfortunately happens in situations like that and even for a lot of people who minister the gospel on the street or, you know, bring people into the, to the, to the faith, they will basically align Christianity and tell the person, now, now your culture is Christian yeah. and drop everything that you are. And why are you talking about social injustice? Not you're a Christian now is if that person has no identity and the day or even no earthly identity. And they'll say, okay, well, look, earth is passing away. Who cares about your, your earthly identity? You know, you're going to heaven. Instead of realizing in, in Acts, I think it says, I know Flame has a song, had a song about this. You know, he placed you right Flame there. Flame is a Christian rapper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he placed you right there. So he, God specifically had you to be born in a specific place within a specific culture yeah. for a specific reason. So there's so many dangers to snatching culture from someone and even snatching interests and talents. You know, if somebody's an artist, you know, yes, uh, minister the gospel to them and disciple them, but use that artistry to glorify God, that talent to glorify God, instead of saying you're no longer an artist, you're just a blank slate. So yeah, that's something, that's a mistake that's been going on for centuries. Yeah, and I'll just kind of pretty much co-sign with what was said. I think when we start to superimpose our cultural values, our Western thought on other cultures, it's counterproductive to the gospel. God created us unique. God created us as different cultures, uh, different languages. And it's a, it's a good thing. You see in Revelation where it talks about, you know, hundreds of millions of people um, who will come to the Lord who are of different tongues, different nations, different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, it's those cultures, those tongues, nations, you know, it's, those are all morally neutral and when we try to force people into our standard of of doing things it turns them off to the gospel i think that's a good segue into the second component of that so we sort of broke down right 45 going to i'm just going to use that john i, I, love that. <laughs> I was telling 45. some friends about that last week i was out in bluemont virginia it's way out in the sticks Ooh. Um, and we were talking. I was like, "Have y'all ever heard the term 45? And they're like, "What is?" It? I was like, "People." I was like, "People started using it." Trump is forty-five, so I think that was hilarious. Um, I just never heard it before. People may have used forty-four with Obama or forty-three with Bush. I've, I just never heard it. I've, I've never heard it. The forty-four, forty-three. Yeah, I, exactly. I think that that's a Trump phenomenon. Okay, yeah. Now I hear it all the time. But anyway. people don't want to use his name, so you know. Yeah. Um. So. But that's that's a good segue into I think the the next sort of discussion topic, which is I think something that's simmering under the surface that, you know, as we discover really, you know, and really sort of brought to the table in pre pro that is not being discussed, I, I think enough is the evident separation, right, between what we're calling evangelicals, which again is probably conservative, white, suburban America and the black church, which is again going to be primarily black. Um, <laughs> but if we are, if we are, I've never really liked that term either, by the way, just the quote unquote, the black church only because it identifies earthly first. 
I don't, um, I don't really ascribe to that mentality, but that's that's another discussion for another day. I probably just got on somebody else's nerves with that comment. Um, that now there seems to, because I know a lot of guys who are pastoring. I know a lot of guys who are actually pastors. And what you hear is people circling the wagons. We're concerned about me and mine now. I'm not really concerned about the quote unquote, the body of Christ or whatever. No, 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 no. I'm worried about me and mine and what, you know, my little circle of the world here. I'm not necessarily concerned about whatever else is going on. Um, my quote unquote brothers and sisters abandoned me and supported this guy and this, that, and the third. And now what we don't realize is how, you know, policies and things that impact other communities and other people groups that are not our own, that in the past we have claimed are our family, right? They're our brothers and sisters. We've Mm -hmm. claimed that. And now policies and things that impact their community significantly, much more than my own. Mm -hmm. I can sort of turn a blind eye to those things uh, because of my cultural ideology, because of my values, my quote unquote moral values. I can turn a blind eye to policies that would impact communities that I have claimed. If I'm an evangelical using modern day thought, um, that I have claimed all my brothers and my sisters. Um, and so what we're seeing now is a growing divide. And you guys don't think, you guys think I'm playing, but the it, it's a growing divide. Now you may say, yo, AJ, it's already been a divide. It's been gospel music and CCM. Let's not get, brand, <laughs> you know, let's not get brand new. Different categories based upon the skin color and ridiculousness. Yeah. But I think that it sort of has spilled over into a lot of different things now. And not only that, I think it's become a lot more blatant and open and almost like unapologetic. Like I'm unapologetically not going to be connected to these guys. I don't care. I'm concerned about me and mine. Um, what say you? It's it's just interesting just when you look at American history. I know that you already said, yes, this has been going on a long time. But just the, you know, just the brief summary, you know, uh, of course, starts back in the in the 1700s when there was even a need for a black church I told y'all you know? she was educated but see this <laughs> but this is the <laughs> this is the thing is that you know a lot of people actually especially nowadays they have um sort of historic uh, amnesia and so they'll look at a black church and they'll say ah, well, you know why are these people separating you know what's going on here you guys are separating yourselves what's you know we we were a nice cohesive body of christ and now you have the black church instead of realizing that you know, Richard Allen and, you know, uh, Lemuel Haynes and all of those people from the 1700s only established their churches because they were being discriminated against or actually kept out of um, white churches. Um, and so, and, and not only that, one thing that's really interesting is there was outreach. It wasn't just a bunch of black people enslaved or free depending on their station in life, sitting in the rafters of a church and say, and getting mad one day and saying, why are we sitting up here? We're going to start our own church. No, they actually spoke to, you know, St. George's in Philadelphia and other churches and said, you know, um, you know, this, this is, this is against the gospel. You're not supposed to be discriminating based upon, you know, race. And uh, this is gospel. This is, I mean, or this is, this is biblical. And so there was outreach to them with respect to that before they decided to establish the African Methodist Episcopal Church. So it's just interesting. So over time, yes, that that divide existed, but it existed because of discrimination. Now we come to a time where people are just like, 
okay, first of all, they'll complain that a black church exists in the first place. And second of all, they will look at um, uh, black preachers as um, less learned theologically. Oh, yeah. Um, if they weren't trained in certain institutions or discipled by people who I love, like Piper and Sproul and, you know, D.A. Carson. These are great guys, but if you weren't discipled by them or if you don't come from that particular Reformed tradition, then you're a bad preacher. So now a lot of black church traditions are being shunned because they're not as conservative when it comes to social issues, when they're actually biblical a lot of times when it comes to social issues. So it's an interesting um you know, sequence of events. Yeah. Um, we just took you down a history lesson. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to, to follow up with that. I don't have that. that we can't follow up. What am I going to do with that? Man? I don't have that same <laughs> education or background. So, um, so I, I, again, I pretty much agree. I've, I, I do believe that the, there, there never has been wholeness in the, in the church in, a, in America, it's never been a point where we haven't been divided. I think uh, in light of Trump's election, that just exposes how great the divide is. And yeah. we kind of at least in our minds could conceptualize that, okay, we can get around these certain issues, we can come together. But now it's like, bam, like this is, this is where they stand when majority of white evangelicals supported Trump. Uh, <laughs> and then you could see that, you know, majority of the, the black church were opposed to Trump. You can see that divide there. Um, and, you know, I believe, again, there are the historical roots of, of that that Eve mentioned, and I agree. Um, I also believe that it comes down to what I see with the at least the white evangelical church, and I guess maybe I can speak on that being white. Uh, but <laughs> we have our representatives here, Dan. So. <laughs> uh, but um, you can see how it's it, it is kind of married to politics. It is kind of married to the Republican Party, and the white evangelicals as a whole will go along with whoever the Republican candidate is. It <laughs> yes. doesn't matter how, um, and especially with Trump, this has been <laughs> apparent, doesn't matter how um, Im immoral their character is. Mm -hmm. uh, they can do whatever they want as long as they adhere to some conservative values and, and granted some moral values that are important they can speak to certain things i mean obviously and i mean this is a discussion for another day but obviously you mentioned abortion you mentioned gay marriage if and you're, that's it and that's it you're if you're if you're for it then you know i'm gonna vote one way if you're against it then i'm gonna vote another way these are the only two issues that seem to matter um so what I've seen with the white evangelical church, it'll focus on those two moral issues, and the and granted, it'll focus on a, a lot of theological theological truth, a lot of you know what I believe is biblically sound. Yet there's a lack yeah. of application there. The black church will, I see, in in some sense, yeah, that 
maybe they're not as theological as the white evangelicals, but there's actual application of what the scripture is saying through the social justice piece. So there is that, yeah, divide there between, you know, are, are we, and it, there shouldn't be a divide. There yep. shouldn't be a divide between uh, social justice, um, as, you know, what it speaks in James one twenty seven about, you know, caring for the orphan and, and widow, yep. and, and also Micah sits eight, I believe, about, you know, love and justice and mercy. These are all things that uh, we should do. Uh, you know, this is pure, undefiled religion. Um, so there shouldn't be a divide between that and, you know, living a moral life and living in light of theological truth. Mm -hmm. uh, all that should be included, but there there does seem to be this divide there uh, between, you know, what we're going to hold on to. Are we going to hold on to theological truth or are we going to commit to social justice? And uh, and that shouldn't even be an issue. Wow. That's three scriptures in one podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. <clears throat> I mean, we have to, we have to, I'll I'll take it even a a step further and say we have to and I, again I'm, I'm I want to continue to drill home this we thing because I like I said I hear a lot of people who claim to believe in God try to separate themselves from it is we have to be honest with our own cultural prejudices right <laughs> yes. like we have to be honest with to say man I might believe in God, I might go to church, anything, whatever. I might read the Bible, blah, 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 blah. But I have cultural bias. I have cultural prejudice, right? When I go to Home Depot, I expect to see Mexicans hanging outside. And I look down my nose at them, right? Or I expect that when I walk into a business, the white guy's going to be in charge. These are things that are subconscious biases in our minds, that we have to, you know, acknowledge and be honest with. If if I go to customer service and it's a bunch of Asian people, I'm going to assume nobody speaks English and I'm in for a tough time when they all may speak very fluent English, right? And so on and so on and so on and so on. And if we don't, at a minimum, you know, be honest with these cultural biases um, I think we're going to continue to see this divide. We're going to continue to, we're going to eventually see ourselves become completely, I mean, because we're almost there. I mean, I want to be honest with people who might be listening right now who claim to be believers. We are almost irrelevant. We're on our way to irrelevancy in terms of the culture. Christians, Christians in terms of our uh, being Impact. able to make statements into the culture are almost exactly. becoming irrelevant. Oh yeah, it's it is. Ask somebody. Well, I mean, we all know people who aren't believers. Try to when you talk to them, it's like you know, culturally, more, you know, your 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 impact is nearly irrelevant. Let me give you an example. Dan touched on it a little bit, but I just want to go a little bit further. I'm going to go even before 45. <laughs> 45. Um, back to 44, right? In 2012, when Obama's running for re-election, what do conservative evangelical believers do? They support a Mormon, someone who doesn't even believe what they believe, <laughs> right? So that's how I know it's not about belief. 
because I'm willing to support someone who looks like me who doesn't even believe what I believe. And I'll and all the big name pre all the big name preachers were out there in full force supporting a cat who does not believe what you believe. So that's how I know at its core it is not the same as a true evangelical. And so what we have to do as believers is we have to begin to call this stuff out. It's not what it is. So I have no problem saying, no, that's not evangelical Christianity. That is not it. I'll tell somebody to their fate, no, I don't believe you're an evangelical. I believe you're a conservative Republican, which is not the same thing. So Very important. Because I consider myself an evangelical, and I don't ascribe to most of the stuff that you ascribe to. So at your core, you should probably redefine. So I think what we have to do is once we become honest with our own cultural biases and ask, you know, ask God to help us to deal with them, we can begin to take back some of these terms and sort of redefine them, right? redefine them closer to their true meaning. That right? identification yeah. with um, bias, though, and embracing a cultural bias, that sounds like, honestly, higher order humanity. You know? <laughs> I mean, because, you know, even when you look at the eyeball, I'm not a biologist, but I know you that... You sure? You sure? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but I know that the lens, like, the lens is on your eyeball, or it's a part of your eyeball. Like, yeah. you, you can't... Who has the ability to step you know, outside of themselves to even identify that they are peering at the whole world through a lens, you know, through a worldview, through a paradigm. Most people, I know when it came to some issues, um, maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. I realized, and in, in fact, a few months ago, I realized one of my biases, which is against what I consider made up names, <laughs> Blaine Belisha. And, oh, Lord. you know, wham, bam, we, thank you, man. Nobody's off our list of offenses. So we just, everybody. Yeah. Sorry, blame Bleacher if you got offended. We apologize. Uh, you know, apologize, wham, bam. <laughs> wham, bam, thank you, man, Misha. Neck bone, Isha. I mean, I just, you know, I have a personal. Now, mind you, this is a baby or an adult who was named as a baby by someone else. Mm-hmm. And even I have a misspelled middle name. We won't talk about that. So I, you know, but. It took me up until a couple of months ago to realize that I have a personal bias against those names instead of realizing one of my good friends always says, at one point in history, every name was made up. Somebody put some letters together, said that sounds cute, and then they ascribed a meaning to it. And then, you know, now we have John and Bill. So, you know, is what makes Blaine Blisha, you know, worse than, anyway. So my point is, is that it's actually, I think it's actually very difficult. I think it takes a certain level of just human maturity. Mm-hmm. To be able to somehow step outside of yourself or do whatever needs to be done to say, wait a second, I'm peering at the whole world through a through a paradigm, through a lens, and I need to examine a lens that oftentimes I don't even see. It's we're, we're responsible to do that, but I think that you know I personally I know I need to be more patient with, with you know with people concerning that. But on the other hand, sometimes those biases, you know, are the difference between life and death for others. So, you know, I think that what you're saying is that you sort of having that more bombastic approach to say, look, that is wrong, actually might be the thing that startles the person into saying, oh, yeah, I do have a personal bias. High order humanity. I like that. <laughs> oh, no, higher order. Or maybe, or maybe it is what's what's required of, you know, of Christians, because, you know, we're not just, you know, 
John Doe walking down the street, but we're supposed to be people led by the spirit. And if we have the spirit of wisdom or if we if we have something that is supernatural that's a part of our lives, then I guess maybe we're more responsible to do things like that. Yeah, I think I'm on one end, you know, as Christians we identify, okay, we're here in the flesh, we're sinful, we have struggles, but yet we're not willing to confront our, our biases. We all have biases. Um, um, so it's just more so, like you said, we need to, it's hard to look beyond our lens, our scope of seeing things. We need to come together and talk to to others to realize, okay, mm. you know, okay, I, I believe this one thing, but, you know, maybe this is, is not true. And you see people on both sides of the fence, both uh, conservatives and liberals, where I know that I've encountered it, where I, I try to have a, you know, discussion about things. I want to learn more about your viewpoint. I don't agree with what you're saying, but I want to learn more. And maybe, maybe as you speak these things, maybe I'll be challenged in, in certain areas. But there's there's not that many people willing to, to do that. They're, you know, we're stuck on our our side of the fence and, you know, we don't want to budge and this is how it is and and that's final and mm-hmm. but no, we we need to get beyond that and, and there is a lot of um we, we do have a very, very hypocritical nature, um, like and I'll try to I don't wanna stay on the whole political thing for that long or go back to it but you hear uh with the whole election of trump it was uh, a lot of white evangelicals were saying um when when issues were brought up about trump's moral character and everything we're we're voting for a president not a pastor (laughs) but yet did they do they do you apply that same principle? Did you apply it to Obama? Mm. Or did you apply it to pa- past presidents? We only, you know, we're hypocritical in, in how we view things, and 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 that comment clearly showed. No, they didn't. Uh, they didn't apply that to Obama. That okay, he's we're not voting for a past, we're voting for a president. <laughs> so you, again, you can't have it both ways. That's good. And I think with that, it's a good, another good segue. I might call Dan Mr. Segway. It's like the <laughs> second one in a row. Is our honesty and our hypocritical presentation, the hypocritical way we present our whole deal, just our whole thing, right? Just as someone who's in business and continuing to try to get into business, right? There's a way that you present your stuff. And you, and you hold back certain things that you know are not up to snuff. Because you don't want that part of you don't want that part of your thing getting out. From a business perspective, it makes all kinds of sense, right? You, you know, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. I was um, I read a while back when Windows was first introduced, like in the eighties, and they were scrambling to try to get the Windows computer out before Apple, and they knew there was bugs in Windows. They knew before they put it out. They knew it was this thing, but they wanted it out completely to saturate the market. And then they would come out and with all the fixes and the patches. So by the time people realized, hey, there's a bunch of bugs and everybody had it. So it was too late at that point. They purposefully held that part of their presentation back from the population. And that's what we do. 
That's that's what we do as the body. Now I understand you don't want to show everybody all of your you know skeletons in your closet, mm-hmm. but I think what we do is we have this hypocritical sort of blind spot presentation um, when we engage the culture, and then when the culture finds our skeletons, we try to act like it's not there. Like what what you talking about? What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you know, as opposed to saying yeah, that's that's not up to snuff, right? You know, yeah, we're Still a little hypocritical with that. We we've got to get better. We we're we're going to address it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the areas that we do that in, you know, a lot uh, is music. Um, in the way in which Christian music is presented, the the way that it's you know sort of in, it engages with people and the culture, I think is um, extremely hypocritical. I think it's extremely foolish, and it's unproductive. It's very unproductive um, because like like what you said about culture in, in many ways, music is a fabric, a, a part of the fabric of culture, right? Many cultures, you know, even relay important things musically, you know, they'll they'll relay uh, in, important cultural concepts musically. And like other parts of culture, it is morally neutral. I think was the, the term that you use. And so when we talk about Christian music, what we're seeing now is a lot of Christian artists wanting to swing more to the center, right? And on the flip side, this is not something that's new. It's been going on for a long time. When you read back, a lot of these popular artists used to be Christian artists. Used Sweet Mahalia. <laughs> You know how a, a lot of these artists started out, you know, in singing church music, singing oh, with she choirs. Didn't, she didn't cross over, but I'm just saying, like back in the day, like mm. we consider her conservative, but back in the day, she was a trendsetter. Oh yeah, <laughs> I read about the I forget who sings the song "Oh Happy Day." That was like a big deal, like back in the <laughs> '70s when they came out with that song. They were like, "What? What is that? That is that's the devil's music." And we look at that now as uh, like that's an old gospel song. What are you exactly. talking about? But that that mindset to to want to swing more to the middle middle ground, right? And then you have what we would consider secular artists, right? Non Christian artists, whatever. Now swinging more to the spiritual side. You know, Dan and I were just talking about in pre pro about Kendrick and some of Kendrick's comments. Oh, my yeah. next album's gonna be gospel, and you know, and these. Folks aren't preaching hard enough, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> okay, thanks. You know, thanks, Kendrick. Um, and so, are we not presenting ourselves honestly? Are we still giving that hypocritical, like what Dan was just saying? Are we still giving that hypocritical presentation where it's like, oh no, no, you know, it's you know, it's all about God and this, that, and the third, when in actuality. <laughs> If I'm doing popular music, it's really about record sales. I mean, if if I'm a professional artist and this is what I do for a living, this is how I put bread on my table, is it really about God or is it really about album sales? Now, I'll just start off with my point of view and then I definitely want to hear what, what say you is if I am a professional artist, like that is my profession, I am employed to make music and produce music there's not very much of that to me that is quote unquote spiritual in nature now in my life as a believer I'm always you know trying to 
give the best presentation. But when it comes to work, I still have to work. But is it not? But are, do you not have an obligation to stay true to what you claim is your worldview? Because when we look at Kendrick, for example, now he's becoming well. He's recognizing that he's a Hebrew Israelite, or it, it, at least that's what I think. I don't. I didn't. Unfortunately, I haven't heard the album yet. Actually, I'm probably one of the few. But, I'm not a big Kendrick fan, so uh, I haven't heard it. So. But what I'm saying is that you know he comes into this to this notion, and you see. That his worldview, as it develops and as it change, ch- changes, is coloring what he, what type of content he puts out. So it's like, you know, for I, I don't think this is what you were trying to say, but I think some people will say, look, this is a business. I'm just going to put out what sells. But even people who aren't believers, you know, uh, uh, put out content according to whatever their worldview is. So why, why should they be bold and we not? Yeah, I mean, I think that if you're, putting out something that ascribes to your worldview and you realize it's not selling records mm-hmm. and then you decide to change that. In if order your to chief s- goal is to sell records, if that's your chief goal and you're saying if that's the, if that's the number one, because you have, you know, six and eight mouths to feed. Right. Yeah. Then- see what was, what would be wrong with that? That's what, I, that's my whole, that's the point. If that is my chief goal, I'm well, just saying, if that's well, my, yeah, if that's your chief goal, there's nothing wrong uh, with it from that person's ideology. From my perspective, it's like, you know, so are you going to be somebody other than who you are for the purpose of those mouths that need to be fed? You know, I, I, you know, I, I personally am an extremely idealistic person, so that would not work for me. But even for other people who say, I need to put out whatever I need to defeat these mouths, you know, are you putting out damaging stuff? You know, is, is the artistry that you're putting, that, that you're releasing something that causes a little boy to think it's okay to, you know, uh, do something inappropriate to a little girl, you know? So I, you know, I, I could, I could kind of see if someone says, no, party music is popular now. So that's what I'm going to put out regardless of my worldview. But, you know, yeah, drug rap. You know, mm. I think that there's there's a problem there. Yeah, I think um, I know. Me and Asia were talking in pre-production, and I don't know if I'll mention this rapper's name, but we were talking about a certain Christian rapper, and maybe maybe the audience might be able to read between the lines. But it's a more so about okay, this is your preaching adamantly one thing to one crowd of individuals like to christians and okay this is what i believe and uh this is why i'm doing the music i'm doing it to um just reach more people with the gospel uh but then to the mainstream you're presenting something different you're watering down the content you're not giving them anything firm to grasp um so you know question remains is are you really are you really trying to to reach all these people with the gospel or you know is your goal to you know just provide bread for your family and if that's your goal that's fine but just be honest with with where you're at you know don't don't say one thing to one crowd and, and do another thing so do you think that person at some point should have said look i know that back in the day everything i rhymed about was biblical theology basically or you know not quite that extreme but it was evangelistic now 
I've made a change. I'm in a different season of life. I have a family to feed. I want to, you know, I want to support my family with this right. and I'm going to change content. You think it would have been better if a co- if something had been communicated as opposed to there being a, 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 a script that was flipped with, with that, sort of on the low and then everybody's like, who everyone who was fans before are like, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, as... As a husband and as a father, and I mean, y- y'all know we talking about Lecrae, um, but I don't even want to go. I don't even want to. Like honestly, it can even go beyond him because, like, I remember about ten years ago reading an interview from Yolanda Adams, and Yolanda Adams was like, "Yeah, I'm not really a gospel artist. I'm just an artist." Like, this is I'm, a decade ago that she said this. At least, oh. yeah, it was, it was a long while ago. Okay. Um, Cause it's like before she started her morning show. I mean, it was a while ago, and I and I remember at that time, like, wow, she was like, yeah, I'm just an artist. Because I think along the same lines, she wanted to ex- broaden her horizon. I mean, and she started singing on different albums, started doing award shows. She kind of blew up a little bit, right? And as a you know, and I can I can speak from my own perspective as a husband and as a father, right? My chief responsibility is to my family first, yeah. right? And so if someone were to say, yo, man, AJ, you need to keep preaching the gospel, man, because these people out here need to hear this and blah, 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 I would. my response to them would be, no, my kids need to eat and my wife needs to have a, a roof over her head. I'll deal with that first and then we'll see about these people in the streets, right? Because I have to give an account. The Bible talks about how I have to give an account. So what I jeopardize the lives of my children and my wife. You need to give an account for what? <laughs> what do you need to give we've, an account for? We've, we've when you're already... standing before the throne, is he saying that you're, you know, did you, were, were you, was your family supported or is he going to say, what did you do with Christ? So would be taking care of my family not be that presentation of Christ? No, I'm, okay, okay. So yeah, that's, that's what, a, yeah. okay. I would say that that is my preeminent responsibility. Um, and this is where, honestly, I think we need to separate. Uh, there's a, a little because what we think as modern day, um, quote unquote, preaching the gospel, right, and quote unquote, making disciples. Well, who would be the chief individuals that I could make disciples of? But my own children first, right? There are a lot of people that I that I build with that I disciple, right? I I disciple a lot of people personally. I try to disciple them in the ways that I walk. But there's no one that I would have the most interaction with and the most opportunities to do that with but my own children. And if I sacrifice that in order to put up some front for a constituency that will throw me to the wolves the first chance they get, you don't believe me, go find out what the crossroom is doing. Like people will throw you to the side and keep it moving. Like I knew a couple of them dudes personally, financially, it wasn't all good. You know, it wasn't all good. And so I think to put these unrealistic weights on people, I don't think is like Dan was saying, I think it's hypocritical. I think it's un you know, dishonest. I was about to say unhonest. Can I mention something that might also be hypocritical just to see what you all think, right? Mm-hmm. So I fully understand as a man you support your family. You know, even Timothy or some scripture mentions that, you know, uh that person is worse than an unbeliever if they don't care for their own family. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it was Peter, wherever it was, Dan knows. <laughs> but um but so this might sound extreme, but there are certain rappers in the last decade who have been putting out 50 Cent 
is an example, Nas is an example, even though not quite as much as 50, who have been at least a part of an environment that put out a lot of misogynistic uh, lyrics. They put them out, they were popularized, they went global into the culture. They basically built a culture of, Mm -hmm. and people were being raised up during that time including their own offspring. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one rapper, and it happened, it's not just one, but it happens all the time, where their little daughter grows up and is 18, and the next thing you know, her body parts are all over the internet, you know, in terms of her being provocative. And it's almost like they're, it's almost like they don't wake up to what they have done until then, until when they day. not only have impacted their own offspring, but everybody else's. And so... But what I with Jay Z, for example, I never hear an apology with respect to that. He's never repentant. It's like, well, look, I had to do what I had to do. Oh yeah, and did so, did you read the article about Snoop's daughter? What How she struggled with insecurity and so much, and you would think the stuff he used to say about women ain't blank but blank and blank. Yeah, you don't think that that might have planted Impact. seeds when she was a kid? Yeah. yeah, and so he could always say, look, my, you know, and I know we're talking about Christian men, but I still think this is at least worth addressing that. You know, if someone says my first obligation is to my family, yet they are a part of creating a culture that impacts their own kids. And then they wake up to it 12, 15, 18 years later when it's irreversible. But not only does it impact their own kids, but it impacts everybody else's. You know, what good was them choosing to support their family in that manner when it's all said and done? Yeah, I think uh, there's a there has to be a balance between the two yeah to you know if this is your income then yeah you do want to support your family but you do need to be mindful of what type of message you're sending across and i'll just throw this in for a comparison uh, i think this may sound like a very weird comparison but I, I think that it goes hand in hand like with um pastors for instance if you're if you're a full-time if you're in full-time ministry you're a full-time pastor and you you got mouths to feed, you got your family to feed, you're going to be tempted to preach on subjects that draw crowds rather than necessarily staying true to what the scripture says. That is going to be the temptation. And I think the same for Christian artists, that you're going to be tempted, even if you said initially, like, I'm, I'm going in this to you know, win the loss. That's why I'm in this, to preach the gospel. If it becomes your sole source of income, you're going to be tempted to water down your lyrics, to change them up, to attract more people. Uh, so I think those things kind of can kind of go hand in hand. Now, are you going to tra- stay true to your original purpose or or not? And I mean, if you, if you decide, okay, this is not where I'm at anymore, and you change up, just make that clear. That's fine. Okay, we, we understand you've stopped doing that music. This is where you're at right now. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, make that clear. Um, yeah. But also, it, you know, it does come into trust in the Lord. You know, like a pastor is going to, you have to trust the Lord. Okay, is the Lord going to supply um you know, bread from my family if I speak the truth. And a Christian rapper who objective is to preach the gospel, but yet relying on that as income has to make that decision. Are they in this to trust the Lord with it? And, you know, if it's not something, an area that you fully trust the Lord and maybe, maybe not 
making it your sole income, maybe making it a, an area where, okay, this is something I, I do, but have another income on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you need to, to make a decision. Well, let me ask you all a question. And this is, you know, and you guys who are listening right now are probably, you know, going to be able to witness some of our growing and maturing as we do this show. But my thought has always been, and this is something I've done, you know, for years, I honestly don't really ascribe to the na- to, to the notion of having whatever you're trying to do ministry wise, quote unquote, for the Lord, for the Lord <laughs> to be in the same pot as whatever you're doing to put bread on your table, because they are almost op- opposed to each other at, at, at their core. Because the the goal of any business venture is to make money. No one goes into business to say, you know what? I hope to come up in the negative on this. I just want to do this. No, people go into business to make money, right? But the notion of ministry and doing, you know, religious activity and church activity is not necessarily to make money. It's to impact people, you know what I mean? And, and to build up people and encourage people, which the majority of the time will not make you any money. And so what I've gone about in my life to do is to always keep those things separate. You know, when I did music, I knew this music is not going to bring me bread on my table so I can completely keep it separate. If I make a couple of dollars, that's fine. But my goal was never to make music. So I completely separated things I do in business um, from things I would do religiously um and so i've just always kept that sort of that very clear line of delineation in my heart like when i do something you know whether it's musically or anything else i don't look to make bread and i think a lot of times and this is where that hypocritical nature comes in or it can at least creep in like what you were saying because if they're both in the same pot right if my business ministry everything's in the same pot Right. If I open up a bakery and it's Amadi's or AJ's uh, bakery ministry deluxe, whatever. And I, and it's all in the same pot. We bake cakes and preach the gospel. Well, at some point, baking cakes is going to butt up against preaching the gospel, because if I'm renting office space, or if I'm renting space to have my bakery in, that landlord's going to want rent. He's not going to want a scripture. And so what we have to do is, you know, I think we have to work at having a more clear and honest presentation because this is where people can get into trouble and a lot of people get hurt and a a lot of lives are bankrupted because of that. Just dump it all in one box. And then when you when the truth is sort of shaken out, we, we find ourselves like, oh, that's why a lot of churches shut down. A lot of ministries shut down. A lot of Christian quote unquote businesses shut down because that line is so blurry and we don't realize it's similar to the impact of culture with those guys and their daughters. We don't realize it until it's too late. It's too late before we realize, yeah, I should have did this a little differently when I started. Ah, crap. And by that point, guess what? You've got an eviction notice on your on on your business, or you know what I'm saying, or your website is shut down because you haven't paid your designers or whatever it is. And so, what 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 say you guys? You know, I like to me personally, I like to keep that line very clear and like it, it, there's a clear delineation for me. 
I understand what you mean. I know that Paul said, look, I should be able to eat, you know, off of, um, off of my, this ministry. And I understand that he should be, he should have been able to, and he he did for a while, but at the same time he had a trade, he was a tent maker. And one of the things that he was able to, to say is y'all didn't pay me for this. Right, exactly. I'm going to come, you know, back to a church that I planted. I'm going to write a letter or come back to the church that I planted and say, y'all are jacked up. And that will not impact me being able to put food in my mouth. Exactly. So, um, so I, th- I think to me it's a question of motives. I actually went through this a few years ago when uh, Pagan Christianity came out, the book uh, by Frank Viola that said mm-hmm. we need to get back to first century. You know, instead of building steeples, steeples, steeples all over the place for what reason? You know, and now we have to pay to do that, and now we need to pay to support you know, the functioning of buildings. And so I was on that back then. And I guess I still am now, but I haven't thought about it for a while. But I think that when it comes to money, things get really strange when it comes to motives. Oh yeah. As a Christian hip hop artist, who was a good friend of mine. And he said, um, at least at that time, you know, I would prefer to have other streams of income because if this is, first of all, I don't think we're in capitalism. I don't think that anybody should just have one stream of income. Oh yeah. Yeah, so that's that's something that we might get into on another show, just in terms of, you know, living in a capitalist society that none of us are going to change. We should have multiple streams of income and most of them passive because, you know, you do not want to end up with more life than money. <laughs> you know, but that's, a, you know, that's something we can talk about later. But my point is, is that if you just have one stream of income, it should not line up. It should not be the same thing as your ministry because, you know, then the question of motive pops up. So something happens, will you compromise? If the lights are turned off, you know, will you change your message? And it might fly below the radar of your conscious mind. Mm -hmm. You know, you might make these changes not really realizing that your brain has gone into survival mode and that's why you made the change. So to, to, to keep all of that cleared up, yes, I think that ideally, even with pastors, it would be nice if they were getting streams of income because you have to be a certain type of person to minister however it is that the Lord has, has called you to minister regardless and then trust him that he'll pay the bills, especially if you have a bunch of kids looking at you, you know, like, that's a good, yeah, that's a good point that you just brought up. I'm sorry. We're sitting back. <laughs> that's a very good point that you just brought up subconsciously. It's our human nature sometimes to go into survival mode. And so when, when they, when people have all that stuff in one bucket and things aren't looking up to snuff, we immediately go into survival mode. That's, I mean, you probably know that from the counseling aspect. You know, we'll go into, oh, wait a minute, I got to, you know. And I don't think a lot of times that it is intentional, but I think if you, you know, if your family's suffering and things are not panning out, you'll begin to shift and change just for human nature. And things will begin to change, up, you know, not the way you planned it, but because things weren't shaken out, um, you know, that subconscious nature to want to survive kicks in and you start to do things that you wouldn't do if you sat down and, you know, if you sat down and really thought about it, you say, oh, I'd never do that. Oh my Mm -hmm. God, I would never do those things. But because of circumstances and situations, because the presentation to you, just like the way we presented, at some point it was presented to me, right? And because of the way things may have been presented to you in that same hypocritical, not fully honest fashion, you made the wrong decisions. And so now you're reaping those same repercussions later um, 
And so now you're, and so someone went to survival mode before you. Now you're coming in and you're doing the exact same thing. And so one of the things I like to do is tell people up front, like Dan made a statement about people who are in full time ministry. I think we need to change what that even looks like. Because I have some friends who are Christian missionaries and they have told me horror stories of being in Christian ministries as full time missionaries and the way that they are treated. And I'm just like, really? Why? Because the way it was presented to them is literally what we were talking about. In the the not fully honest way it was presented to them, they were in it for like 10 years before they realized, oh my God, this is not what was presented to us in the beginning. And so I think what we got to do is we really have to get to the core. Similar to the, you know, we talked about the cultural things and getting back to the core. I think we have to get back to the core of what we consider to be religious activity or ministry activity or whatever. Get back to it at its core and say, hey, it's okay to have to be someone who is uh, integral, who does their business honestly, right? Who's a Christian who believes God is a great person in the community, raises their family, you know, a good husband, good wife, etc. And they present the gospel that way. That is living, you know, be, being a living epistle. They're making disciples in their context. Exactly. You know, they're, they're embedded in a community. They go to that barbershop, you know, so they're being a light in their environment. Exactly. Lights are seen. Lights are not heard. You know, a lot of times we try to be heard more than we try to be seen. And so anyway. Yeah. So just, yeah, just going back. All right, just to really, uh, again, check check our motives, as uh, even AJ just mentioned. Um, I don't, I'm not going to take a hard and fast rule saying you, you know, if you're doing, um, if you're pastoring or in full-time ministry or, you know, a Christian artist that you absolutely need to have other streams of income. I think that... Practically speaking, it it would be more beneficial and it would be less challenging. And but you really have to count the cost. You have to realize that if if you're going to do this, if you're going to be in full time ministry, um, then you're going to face these challenges to want to provide for your family. You're going to get pulled in these directions, and that is not for everyone. And if that's not for you then that's okay. Then you need to make a decision. Are you going to do uh, music for uh, income? Or are you going to do it for ministry and have another source of income? But very few people can can deal with it. And this is why you see so many Christian artists flip-flop and you see so many uh, ministries turned around because they haven't counted the cost beforehand. That's good. That, that that's a good one. Yeah, that's a that's like the sixth or seventh scripture we've quoted today. But yeah, that that scripture in Luke where it's like no man builds a house before he counts the cost. Yeah, you got to count the cost. If I want to do X, I got to realize I may have to sacrifice A, B, and C. You know, if I don't want to do X, right, I'll have to think about things that could become repercussions from that decision. So yeah, that's another good one. Again, I think it goes into the honest way we present this like you got to present it like that like hey if you want to do this thing know 
blah, 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 you know, whatever those, you know, consequences very well could be. You know, for me, I, I'll give you an example, and we're going to, you know, come on around third base here, but my my wife, you know, she stays home and she homeschools our children, right? I had to sit down and think about what it's going to be like to live on one income. So I had to be that guy to get multiple streams of income. I had, you know, for those of you who don't know, you know, my, my family's from the Caribbean, so I had to get my Jamaican on and... um American. Yeah, I had to get my American on. You got on. 14 jobs. <laughs> I had to get a bunch of jobs, right? So, I honestly, I'm doing like three things right now. Hopefully, this podcast will be number four. You're lazy. You got 14 jobs. <laughs> I'm the fireman, the policeman. Um, and so, I sat down, though, and I gave it conscious thought. You know, I gave a conscious thought to say, hey, this is what... I want to do, can I handle A, B, C? And if I couldn't, I have the freedom to say, nah, you know what, I'm not going to do that. You know, and I think part of that honest presentation has to be people have the freedom to choose. You know, God gives people free will. He gives them the ability to choose. And part of our honest presentation of this thing to the culture has to be Listen, you have the ability to choose. You don't have to do this thing. If you don't do it, it's okay, right? It may not be the best decision, right? But guess what? You have that ability to say, you know what? Uh, nah, I'm not going to do it that way. Or, no, nah, I am going to do it this way. Yeah, we're going to do this. What we present is, no, God said you got to do it like this. Everybody got to do it like this. Well, if everybody <laughs> did it like this, right, we would have no thriving businesses, right? When you want to go get gas, all the gas stations will be out of business if you wanted to go buy some clothes. And no, everybody's not going to do it that way because some people have to thrive in business. You want to go out, I had to go out and order these microphones. That means somebody has to be in business to be manufacturing microphones. So everybody's going to do it different and they have the ability to, to choose and what we can't do. I think you, you had a great statement, that higher level humanity. We can't rob them of their humanity. No, you have the ability to choose. Hey, I'm going to quote one more scripture, but it's, it's in Joel. It says, you know, I, uh, I put before you life and death. Please choose life, right? But guess what? You have the ability to choose death. I mean, it's, it's your choice. You have that. We have to be able to present that because I think when you present that honestly, then they can count the cost. But when I when it, I when, when I think it's not presented honestly, they don't get to count the full cost because the full cost has not been presented to them. So they don't even know about some of these repercussions until 5, 10, 15 years later. They bump their heads. Hey, nobody told me about this. Oh, man. But if I present to you the whole thing up front, like, hey, this is what it really is, then you're able to sit down and be like, hmm. Do I really want to get involved? You know, make I, an informed yeah, choice. I can make an informed um, decision. So we have to, we have to uh, present this thing more honestly. So, with that yeah. being said, the honest presentation. Um, we're gonna have a little segment here every week <laughs> where uh, it's gonna be called "This Week in Social, Social Media." media. So all that stuff was heavy. The the last hour was really heavy. So we want to end it on a little lighter note. And so I think each week what we'll do is we'll we'll bring up something that uh this is what this is. This, this is uh every week. Believe me, I know there's hundreds and hundreds. We're gonna find <laughs> examples. Uh, examples, right? <laughs> examples of us as believers sticking that big foot in our mouths. Um, 
and doing it publicly, doing it publicly for the whole world to see. And so this week, our inaugural, I don't want to call him a target. That's a bad word. That's a, that's a bad, our, uh, I don't know, contestant. Yeah, contestant's number our, one. Our inaugural contestant. Oh, shoot. Can you, can you grab that? I, I, I left it on right there behind you. Our inaugural, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to read. I'm going to read to you guys the. Uh, this is how it is when you're doing it brand new. I should have had this uh, sitting here. So you just heard Dan get up and pick something up. <laughs> Our inaugural contestant is Mr. Franklin Graham. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. Um, this is something that was said publicly. So I'm just quoting public comments. Well, who who is Franklin Graham? Uh, maybe somebody might not know who you know, Franklin Graham the, is. The the son of Billy Graham, the big time televangelist for the last century almost. <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize but Franklin's 64. So good night. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the son. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the president CEO of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Okay, so, so Billy Graham passed that, the like, baton uh, to him. Samaritan's yeah. purse, all that. All that is I love that organization. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all yeah, Franklin Graham is the head of it all. Oh, okay. yeah, and I don't want to take anything away from all of the positive things that yeah. those guys have done because, I mean, they've had a tremendous impact yep. on the world, honestly. I mean, Billy Graham had a tremendous impact, and his fruit is probably still going forth today. Yep. But with that being said, none of us are beyond reproach. <laughs> right? And so Mr. Graham made a couple comments. Um, God, and we said we're not going to be political, but it just cannot. It just it's, it's too it's, it's just too many areas. But anyway, he was talking about the the election of forty five, and he says this: he did everything wrong politically. He offended gays. He offended women. He offended the military. He offended black people. He offended Hispanic people. He offended everybody, and he became president of the United States. Only God can do that. Now he says there's no question that God is supporting Trump. No president in my lifetime, I'm 64 years old, can I remember, speaking about God as much as Donald Trump does. Those are direct quotes, ladies and gentlemen. (sighs) Now, again, as we talked about earlier, you can have your own cultural biases and this, that, and the third. But what what irritates me is when we try to throw God in the mix like like that was so, all. Know, that's please just that was a comment that should have been said at home. I, you know, I'll just keep it one hundred. I'll just keep it one hundred. You know, look, we say a lot of crazy things in our home, and then you realize, yeah, whew, thank God I said that at home, right? Those were not comments that probably should have been said publicly. It's just, it's just, it's a fallacy. You know, the thing is when you make a, when, when you reach a conclusion, you know, you should be able to use that same method for other conclusions. So, you know, if we bring up another topic and say, well, a particular person did all these bad, bad things and then um, they became, you know, the president of an organization or, you know, they became a person who accomplished something. Oh, that means that God allowed that God uh, put them in that position. I mean, you could you could talk about Mike 
don't know. I, I like Mike Tyson, honestly. Let's talk about uh, Floyd Mayweather. God made you Mike know. the champion. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like that, that statement is like him, you know, saying in, in public, okay, so, so Floyd Mayweather, you know, went upside his wife's head and, um, and shook his child, you know, and, and, and went to the strip club, but he, you know, is a champion of the world. Ah, God must have done that for him. What? Yeah, it's, it's a false dichotomy and, uh, you know, presenting now Trump, okay, Trump offended blacks, Trump offended gays, Trump offended everyone. You would have think but at some point you would have hit him like, I and you would, by, by speaking all those things, you would think that, okay, therefore, um, you know, Trump is, you know, in, in, you know, a sinner in need of yeah. That's the conclusion. You know, that's or, the conclusion. You know, to that's, that not that okay. That and Trump became president, so God is with him. Like no, I mean, God is sovereign. God, um, either you know appoints or depend on your theological perspective. Either allows certain leaders to be in place or sovereignly appoints certain leaders to be in place. But, I mean, God uh, appointed, you know, or allowed Nebuchadnezzar to be in place. <laughs> God allowed Nero to be in place. These are, you know, kings and rulers who were anti-God. Um, Nero was putting Christians on fire. But, you know, God sovereignly allowed him to be in place. So, you know, what what exactly are you trying to say with that? <laughs> comment you know that god was okay god was with nero even though he's you know executing christians no, no i mean god allowed it to happen yes can you, can you imagine that he he's like nero burned women nero burned churches nero burned children he burned animals but yet god was with him you know it's like that's that's literally the, the equivalency of his statement or people who use God who use God's name, you know, it's like, oh well, he this he's basically saying, well, Trump, Trump, you know, is a I've never heard I'm I've been around for sixty four years I've never heard any president I've been around since what what administration would that have been the Kennedy or whatever, yeah. I haven't heard any president mention God so much. Well, there are there are wicked people running around loose who actually mention God a lot. So we should we reach the same conclusion about those people? So for anybody listening, we're we're not trying to embarrass Mr. Graham. Those comments were public. I found that trending on Twitter. That was trending on Twitter last week. So what you're going to hear when we do that segment is public comments that we that someone has made who we want to keep it to the realm of someone who's a believer who in their zeal presents something to the greater culture that is honestly just foolish and <laughs> um, should have just been left for a private. Now, if Franklin Graham makes that comment in a private discussion. Maybe you chop it up and like, yo, Frank, you need to chill with that, right? <laughs> but when you come out in an interview and you come out publicly and make those kinds of statements, they can be, you know, just really damaging and just really problematic. So we gotta, we got to be more mature, right, in in the way that we engage uh, the culture. So to be more careful. So that's what we want to do here. That's what we want to do in our private lives and our public lives and our personal lives. So. We thank you all for vibing. Just want to have a quick segment here where we want to talk about our sponsors. So we want to, when you have computer issues, viruses, <laughs> right? Hardware, mm -hmm. software, check out Pi Technology. Malware. Malware, right? 
Uh, I I did a a video for him on uh, YouTube for him as well. But I use him all the time. That's P-I-E Technology. You can get him on Twitter at Pi Technology LLC. You can find him on Facebook at Pi Technology. Let me say something about Pi Technology. I was in a parking lot at an event and I saw the the male the guy owner of Pi Technology and I was like, "There's something wrong with my um with my uh, MacBook Pro." And he allowed me to open it up on the trunk of a car and took a look at it. So uh-huh. these people, you know, they they actually are concerned about you. Oh yeah, no, they're amazing. I've used them so as a personal testimony. I've used them. I they uh, I think I got the entire Adobe suite. From them, I mean, they're they're awesome. So if you ever have any computer needs, Ragu and Akima are amazing. Check them out. Like I said, Twitter, at Pi Technology LLC on Twitter. They're on Facebook. Email is LLC at gmail.com. Please support them the way they support our podcast. So we thank you guys for listening and vibing with us. We hope to continue to keep moving. We hope to get better. Um, we will check your feedback and your comments. Follow us on Twitter at Across This. Facebook, Across the Intersection. That's the name of the Facebook page. Twitter, Across This, A-C-R-O-S-S-T-H-I-S, at Across This. Um, and again, it's really common for everybody to want to leave God out of the discussion, but we attempt, are going to attempt to not do that. So, for Dan, Eve, this is AJ saying thank y'all for vibing with us. And we'll catch y'all time. next time. Peace. Thank you. Let's get started. I won't teach you. Let me set apart who is my people. The ones who set in their heart to be believers. Press on to the mark to follow Jesus. When it gets hard, they be seeking the leaders. Fathers that help them heal when they are beaten. Or help them see the meaning when they're grieving. Don't follow their feelings that are being misleading. They're the ones that keeping it biblical Keep it 100 when others saying it's fictional A relational life, that is how it's scriptural A stay in the light while cats be living typical Integrity we chose cause folks is difficult